Tis the season of Christmas. Christmas is such a fun time of the year, right? I mean, a couple of weeks ago at our house, we got all the decorations out. We put up the lights. We put up the tree, hung the ornaments. This past week, we sent out Christmas cards so that everyone got a new picture of our family again. We rode the train downtown. We've uh, gone to Chris Kindle Mart and uh, to the Walnut Room to take in all the sights and the sounds and the smells of the Christmas season. Christmas is such a fun time of the year. But I've got a question for you this morning. What is the gift that has been the best gift that you've ever received at Christmas time? I mean, maybe it was last year. Maybe it was uh, when you were a kid. Maybe it was uh, um, some other time in your life. But what is the, the Christmas gift that you received that was the best gift that you've ever gotten? Maybe it was a kitchen appliance, maybe it was jewelry, maybe it was an electronic gadget that you were just so pumped about. Maybe it was a gift card that was to your favorite store, maybe it was a new car. But what was the Christmas gift that uh, was the best one you've ever received? Uh, for me, a couple of uh, ones come to my mind, a couple of gifts that I just absolutely love. One of them, I was 10 years old when my parents bought me a basketball hoop and a basketball. I mean, I loved sports, and I still do. I'm super excited about having my own hoop. I, I mean, we put that hoop up out in the barn. Uh, at 10 years, I played on that hoop nearly every night after school. I just loved that gift. Another year, my brother and I, we got a race car set for Christmas, took up the entire room of, a, uh, of our house, and that was a really big deal. That was such fun playing with those race cars for years to come. But we all have certain gifts that we remember getting, and right now we are in the season of buying Christmas gifts for the people in our lives that we love. Black Friday has come and gone. It's um, not what it used to be. People are much more into Cyber Monday these days. In fact, Cyber Monday this year was the biggest Cyber Monday in the history of the world. In one business day, Americans spent $12.4 billion on gifts that they purchased online. Most of them were bought on Amazon.com. I bought a few on Amazon.com as well. Jeff Bezos is a genius, amen? But uh, unless you are one of those people who bought all of, those, all of your gifts super early and you have them all wrapped and under the Christmas tree, then you are in the midst of the holiday gift-buying season. And it can be a lot of fun to make a list and to check it twice, to make sure all of the things that, that, you, that you have are things that the people in your life love, and you have them all wrapped up, and it can be fun to even try to get those people to guess what those gifts might be. But... As we're in the midst of this gift-buying season as a culture where people are stressed out and spending lots of money and, and, and t talking about gifts and making lists of gifts, we, we are over the next several weeks as a church going to take a look at God's Word 
And we want to praise him for some of the great gifts that we have as followers of Jesus Christ. And so we're going to kind of kick this off this morning with a couple of gifts that God has given. In fact, if you've got a Bible with you today, I want to invite you to take it and open it with me to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. Now, I want to give you some context here, but the book of Ephesians is written by the Apostle Paul. And he's writing to a church that is located in a city called Ephesus. Now, Paul is writing in order to encourage these Christians. But right here in this passage that we're looking at today, he, he's going to first go back and talk about who they were before Jesus saved them and who he continues to be in their lives. Now, Paul wrote these words through the Holy Spirit about 2,000 years ago, but as we sit here today at St. Paul's Bible Church, I believe that these words continue to be an encouragement to us, uh, those of us who are followers of Christ. But we're going to go back and we want to remind ourselves as well of what, who we once were before we met Jesus. So that's the context. Paul's talking about where we have been and where we are going. Your Bible's open in front of you. I want to invite you to follow along. Ephesians chapter 2. I'm going to begin in verse 1. We'll put these words up on the screen as well. But here's what God's word says. It says, And you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. Now we're going to skip down to verse 8, and it says this, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not of your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. I want to take these last three verses that we just read, verses 8, 9, and 10, and kind of spend some time here this morning talking about two gifts that God has given us. Two gifts that followers of Jesus have been given by God. The first is simply this. It's the gift of being saved by God. The gift of being saved by God. We're, we're going to spend a majority of our time on this point here this morning. But as followers of Jesus, all over the New Testament, all over the Bible, we are described as being saved. Now, at risk of sounding elementary, I think that it would be good to spend some time talking about what that means. So when we talk about being saved, what are we saved from? Well, to answer that question, we need to kind of zoom out a bit and look at the bigger picture here. The Bible that we bring to church every Sunday is the story of God's redemption the, the word redemption describes the idea of God getting back his people. You see, it's no secret, but we're all born into this world as sinful people. All of the parents of toddlers here this morning say amen to that, right? I mean, we, we're all born into this world as sinful people. And if you've got young kids in your home right now, it's kind of like you've got a sinful circus going on. Listen, 
we all know that we, we never have to teach our children to sin. You have to teach them how to share. You have to teach them how to say thank you. But you never have to teach a young kid how to be selfish. It's just coming so naturally into our lives. In fact, there's probably no better picture of depravity than watching a toddler in action. Kicking, screaming, throwing a tantrum, conniving. We are all born into this world as sinners. And here's the deal. There is a cost to sin. It hurts, it destroys, it does not go unpunished. And here's a Christmas season encouragement for you. The Bible says that we are all guilty of sin before God. So, when Paul says that we are saved, what's he talking about? Well, he's referring to this theological reality that God sought us out and saved us from our sin. He rescued us. You see, the Bible tells the story that some of us have known for a long time and others of us maybe have never heard before. It's a story of God becoming man and dwelling among us. And this is the story of Christmas. Uh, among all of the lights and all of the trees and all of the presents, the story of Christmas is that God became man and stepped into our brokenness. He lived the perfect life. He died at the hands of sinful man. He rose again on the third day, making salvation possible. Here's what Jesus said, John chapter 14 and verse uh, 6. He said, I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Friends, listen, because of Jesus, being saved is actually possible. Now, you, you've, we've all heard that, um, but, but I think that in the midst of the Christmas season here, it is important for us to spend time thinking about that. Because of Jesus, being saved is possible. Back to our question. What are we saved from? Well, we are saved from the penalty of sin. The Bible says that we deserve the penalty, that we earned it. Romans chapter 6 and verse 23, for the wages of sin is death. What's a wage? Well, it's something that we earn. I mean, you go to work this week, you work hard, you earn a wage for the work that you have done. The Bible says that it is death that was the paycheck for our sin. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift, the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. This is the gospel. Maybe that's a word that you've heard your whole life, or maybe this is the first time that you've ever heard that word. That word gospel just simply means good news. Listen, the bad news is that the paycheck that you earned, that I earned for our sin is death. But the good news is that Jesus gives us a free gift of eternal life. It's free! And Paul begins Ephesians chapter 2 with a declaration of who all followers of Jesus once were before God saved them. In fact, he uses this powerful word and he says we were dead. He goes on in this passage to further describe the results of this death when he says in verse 2, in which you once walked following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. Paul says that we were just dead followers of a world system. Verse 3, 
We all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Paul makes it pretty bleak, pretty clear that apart from Jesus and his gift of salvation, we are helpless. Now, praise God that the story doesn't end there. Because in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4, the Bible says this, But God, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. It's a gift. We, we were dead and God saved us. And the, verse, the verses that we're going to focus on here today is something that we want to just kind of unwrap a little bit more here today. It unwraps and uncovers this idea a bit, a bit more clearly. Verse 8 and verse 9 say this, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not of your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. A lot of people, when they read this passage, they might think, okay, so God gives the grace and then I have to supply the faith. And so what I have to do is I have to muster up enough faith. I have to muster up enough goodwill and I can bring that to God and he'll say to me, okay, now that you have given me your faith, I'm going to give you the gift of grace. But that's not what this passage says. This passage says that all of salvation is grace, that it is all of salvation that is a gift. Listen, if I started my salvation, then it is up to me to sustain my salvation. If I had to muster up enough of something in order to get to God, then I would have to continue to muster up those things in order to stay right with God. But the Bible says that my salvation is all about God. It is a gift that he will sustain because he started it. The grace and the faith are both gifts that God graciously has given to us. Let me illustrate this once. Um, just imagine for a moment here that I go out this Christmas season and I decide to buy myself a brand new car. Now, just to kind of give you a bit of context here, I brought a picture of my car, my current car, uh, here today. This is a 2007 Honda Odyssey minivan. It's got 170,000 miles on it. Hopefully you can't look at this picture too closely where you can see the uh, rust spots that are starting to form around the body of it. But I like to call this thing the grocery getter. I mean, it's not an amazing car or anything like that, but it's gotten the job done for a lot of years. So I want you to just imagine for a moment that... Um, I say, you know what, I, I think it's time for me to go out and buy myself a brand new car. And so what I might do is I might go search around online to see if I can find something, go to a dealership, but eventually I'm going to find the car and I'm going to pick out a particular car. I'm going to go to a desk and I'm going to seek out a relationship with a bank so that I can pay for that car, right? Now, when I get home, that brand new car, the very next month, what is coming? Well, it's going to be a payment, and I am going to have to sustain those payments. If I want to uh, uh, keep that car, I'm going to have to keep that relationship with the bank. I'm going to have to keep them happy. Now, I want you to imagine for a moment that instead of having to make payments on a car, I was given a gift. 
Now, we've got a picture of this as well. But I want you to imagine that I was one of the lucky ones. I mean, like, you know what? Like the, the Lexus commercials where you got the car that's out in the driveway and the bow's on top of it. Now, this is a totally different story, right? If I were to get up on Christmas morning, somebody comes and knocks on the, on the door and says, hey, could you come outside? I got something that I want to show you. So I walk out the door and miraculously there is snow that is falling on the ground lightly and, and I see this Lexus sitting there in the driveway, the red bow on it and everything and I'm losing my mind because that's a gift. I, I, I'm not going to be worried uh, about how I'm going to pay for that car because it's freely been given to me. Listen, friends, it's just a small picture of our salvation we, we don't seek out salvation and then try to figure out a way to sustain a relationship with God. No, it, it's all about God. It's all about grace. It's all about a gift that has been given to the children of God. God saved us by grace through faith. Paul goes on to say that it's not a result of works so that no one may boast. You see, a gift is not earned. A gift is freely given, and Paul makes sure to point out that it wasn't something that you and I did. Lots of people believe that there are many ways to get to God. Some people say, well, you know what, if I was just a good person. I mean, if I just provide for my family, if I work hard, if I give to charity, if I stay away from all the things in this culture that, that are really, really sinful I mean, there are some sins that I'm going to commit, but if I stay away from the really, really bad ones, and if I do all of that, one day I can make it to heaven. Other people, they take the religious route and they say, well, you know what, if I get baptized, maybe I'll get baptized a couple of times just to make sure that it sticks. And I go to church and I read my Bible and I pray and I take communion and I give money. Some people say, you know what, I'm going to play the religious game. And one day... Then I'll be right with God. Listen, there is nothing wrong with those things. Working hard, providing for your family, giving to charity, coming to church, uh, being baptized in obedience to Jesus, participating in the Lord's Supper. These are all good things. But what Paul says here in Ephesians chapter 2 is this. If my good works got me into heaven, then my flesh would want to take the credit for that. That I'd walk into heaven thinking, wow, I did a pretty good job. But Paul, through the Holy Spirit, reminds us, look, you were dead. God gave you a gift. He saved you. There is nothing that you could have done to save yourself. It is by grace alone, through faith alone, only God can get you to God. So God gives us grace. He gives us faith. Jesus died on the cross. He rose again from the dead. Uh, he, he defeated sin, death, hell, the grave, so that salvation would be possible. And while we were walking dead in our sins, he rescued us by grace through faith. It's all a gift. Martin Lloyd-Jones said the secret of a happy Christian life is to realize that it is all grace and to rejoice in that fact. The word grace is a word that means undeserved favor, unmerited favor. We don't deserve it. 
John Newton reflected on this as well in his well-known hymn, Amazing Grace. And he said, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. Listen, we don't deserve what we've been given. And we could all go around the room this morning sharing story after story after story after story of how God has treated us in a way that we don't deserve. He has given us a gift. He has saved us. You see, if we're honest, a lot of times in our flesh, we take this gift for granted. And what we regularly need are gospel reminders. I know I do. I was saved when I was a young child, three years old. Here I am today, I'm 45 years old, and I need a gospel reminder every day of my life who I was before I met Jesus and how he rescued me and continues to sustain me even today. I read a story not too long ago about a writer who observed tourists and employees that were close to the geyser of Yellowstone National Park in Wyoming. This geyser is called Old Faithful, and you've probably heard of it before, but we've got a picture of it just uh, that we're going to put on the screen here. But uh, this writer wrote something that I found to be very interesting. He, he's talking about going around uh, and being at this geyser as it's erupting. And here's what he says. When the geyser went off, the tourists oohed and odd. They took pictures, and some of them even applauded. But he says that as he was watching the tourists, he was also watching the employees of Yellowstone National Park. Here's what he says about them. Not a single employee, even those who had finished their assignments, looked up to see the eruption. And then he concludes with this. He says, for the employees, Old Faithful had grown entirely too familiar and had lost its power to impress. Friends, I think that that is a huge danger for us as Christians, that we become so familiar with the grace of God that we are no longer thankful, we are no longer overwhelmed by the great gift that he has given. And we, we are so familiar with salvation, we are so familiar with redemption and the new life that is found in Jesus that we are no longer phased by it anymore. Look, we, we are a people who move on pretty quickly. We get dissatisfied and we move on to whatever it is that we think is best. And, uh, you know, I, 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 I think I want you to just kind of consider this. I want you to just think about this once. I mean, what was, do you remember what you got as a Christmas gift on Christmas of 2021? Maybe you can remember. I mean, maybe it was like the basketball hoop year for you, like what I got as a kid. Uh, for me, I, I don't remember what I got two years ago for Christmas. I'm sure that I probably liked it. I'm sure it was probably a great thing. But my human heart has moved on very, very quickly. Listen, here, here, here's some encouragement for you as you buy presents for your loved ones this year for Christmas. Everything you get for Christmas this year is most likely going to end up in a thrift store or in a garage sale. Think about that. That, that kitchen appliance that is the best thing on the market right now is eventually going to get old and you're going to want to trade it in on something new. Uh, so, so, same thing is going to happen with the, that car. Same thing is going to happen with those clothes that are so in style right now. We are constantly getting rid of things. We're constantly upgrading to different things. 
For me, this has never been more um, uh, true than with my smartphone, right? And I know a lot of you love iPhones, but I really love my Samsung Galaxy. I want you to just think about this, because I was thinking about that this week, and just, this is crazy, but this is actually the fourth Samsung Galaxy that I've had. Don't judge me, because you've done the same thing. You've bought plenty of phones yourself. But it was uh, 2012, and I got my first Galaxy. It was like, it was a, a Galaxy S3. And I, uh, I look at that phone now, and it looks like it's from a totally different era in time, but... In 2012, I thought that this was the most amazing phone in the entire world. What happened? Well, the very next year, they came out with the Samsung Galaxy uh, S4. Th that one I passed on, but, and I passed on the S5 as well. But then the uh, Galaxy S6 came out, and it had these new features, and it had a new camera. And I thought, wow, I've got to have that one. A few years later, I said, you know, I've got to have, I've got to upgrade again. I mean, th this one is better. And, and this is just the way we are, that uh, we upgrade our wardrobe, we upgrade our electronics, we upgrade everything that we have. Yeah, this is great, but eventually it's going to get old and I'm going to want to move on from it. And here is the reality for us as followers of Jesus. We need to stay grounded on this fact that is so true. We never upgrade from the gospel. We never move on from the gospel to something that is bigger and better because there is nothing bigger. There is nothing better than the gospel. The resurrection power of Jesus Christ that raised us from the dead to new life. Friends, the same gospel that saved us is the same gospel that sustains us today. And we are here this morning because of the gospel. My question for us today is this. Do we believe this? Do we really believe that apart from Christ, we were dead? Apart from Christ, we are dead. But when Jesus enters into the story, he saves us and gives us an amazing gift of salvation. Friends, here's a biblical reality that I want to give you today. We won't see the glory of being saved by God until we see how desperate we are for God. Let me say that again. We won't see the glory of being saved by God until we see how desperate we are for God. The gospel of Jesus Christ is as important in our lives today as it's ever been. The good news of Jesus Christ sees us through our past mistakes and it also sustains us through our future failures. The God of the universe is currently at work in our lives, saving us and renewing us and bringing us to Jesus. The problem is that we often don't see or understand how desperate we are for him. And my prayer is that we would all get to that point where we realize that we are in need. That the only person who can uh, meet that need is Jesus. The only person who can fully satisfy is Christ. Friends, we, we will never realize how amazing this gift of God is unless we understand how desperate we are for Jesus. And I'm not just talking about how desperate we were back when we came to faith in him, but I'm talking about how desperate we are for him right now, this very moment. We can't save ourselves. 
It's only by his grace. We can't muster up enough faith. It is only Jesus who has the power to save. And he offers that free gift today. And so the first gift, the uh, being saved by God. But then there's a second gift that I want to talk about. It's the gift of being used by God. The gift of being used by God. Paul continues on here in verse 10 of Ephesians 2. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Out of this verse, I want to give us two encouraging truths as we finish up here this morning. The first one is this. You were created by God on purpose. It says there, we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus. That word workmanship, it's also translated as masterpiece. It's where we get our English word uh, poem from. You and I were created by God on purpose. We are his masterpiece. And the reason why that's important is because some of us have had a tough time believing that. Because maybe you, you've come here today and maybe your family members and your co-workers and the culture has just beaten you up all week. And you feel worthless. You feel like a mistake. You feel like nobody cares about you. Well, today... Heaven whispers into your soul and says you were created on purpose. Works of art don't just happen by accident. There's, no, there's not a passage in the Bible that is more beautiful in illustrating this than Psalm 139. I want to just have you hear these words here. Verses 13 and 14, the psalmist is talking to God and he says, for you formed my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. That, that word formed in Psalm 139 is a picture of a potter molding a piece of clay into a work of art in beautiful pottery. You are not an accident. There, there is not a bad piece of art that God has formed. The Bible would tell you, tell us, that you were created by God on purpose. No matter what people in your life may be saying to you, He has a plan for your life. I love this. I hope that this will give you fresh wind in your sails today if you're feeling defeated. Listen, you are not a mistake. The Bible says that you are God's masterpiece. And some of you need to stop and hear that because everyone else in your life has been telling you otherwise. God, the sovereign boss of heaven, has said, you are my masterpiece. Friends, you were created on purpose. Here's a second truth from Ephesians 2.10. You were created by God for a purpose. It says... For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Notice the, the parallel of what Paul is saying here. We were not saved by our own good works. We are saved by grace through faith. But, but after God saves us, it, we, we are saved for good works. God is the one who moves. God is the one who acts in and through our lives in order to save us. He saves us and then he uses us as a bright light in this dark world. We, we are not saved by our good works. We're saved for good works. 
John Calvin said it this way. He said, it is faith alone that justifies, but the faith that justifies can never be alone. It is faith alone that justifies, but, the, but faith that justifies can never be alone. James, the half-brother of Jesus, helps to further explain this in the New Testament uh, letter that he writes in chapter 2, verse 17. He says, so also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. It's the same thing that Paul's talking about in Ephesians chapter 2. Friends, listen, we always need to be holding on to this truth. That we are a people whose lives are completely affected by grace. We were saved by grace through faith. And now we live our lives by grace through faith. And we're going to be agents of change in this world. Not because of how amazing we are. But because of Christ alive and well working in us. You, You say, well, I mean that sounds great. But how do I do that? How how do I walk in these works that God has prepared beforehand for me to walk in? Well, let me answer that with just one word here. It's the word abide. The only way that you and I can walk in the good works that Jesus has laid out for us is by spending time with Jesus through prayer, through reading the word of God, through uh, knowing, getting to know him better, and by fellowship with people around us who love and follow and know Jesus as well. Notice that it does not say that y- you do this in order to manufacture good works. It, That we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus to go out and figure out how to do good works, how to create these good works. No, it says walk in the good works that God has already prepared beforehand for you to walk in. Before you were even born, God was at work in your life to come. In order to allow you to walk in what it is that he had for your life. Remember that that what we are apart from Christ is dead. John chapter 15 and verse 5, Jesus says this. He says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is who bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Listen, the only way that an apple tree grows or that an apple grows on the branch of an apple tree is if the root system and the life of that tree pushes that apple out from the branch. In fact, if you cut off the branch of an apple tree and you throw it on the ground and you can pick it up and try to put it in some water, you can uh, put it in a greenhouse, you can do all kinds of scientific experiments on it, but there is no kind of life that is going to come from that branch. However, when you connect that branch to the life-giving tree, fruit appears, fruit comes out. And for us, spiritually, we were cut off from the tree. But God, by His grace, through faith, attaches us to Himself. And now His life is in us, producing fruit. And what Paul is saying is that God's salvation in us will be evident to the people around us. We are saved for good works. As we abide in Christ, He pushes out this good fruit out of our lives for our good and for His glory. Friends, 
God has created us on purpose and for a purpose. He has given us an incredible gift of salvation by grace through faith. He's given us the gift of being used by Him. These are some good gifts that God has given to you and me. And we need to treasure them this Christmas season. Let's pray.